Hello, everyone, and happy March. Thanks so much for tuning in to this Friday's episode of the Liberty Update on the Convention of States podcast. On today's episode, we'd like to share an encouraging story from a state legislature this week, and we'll also discuss how Merrick Garland seems to think the solution to America's problems is giving the government more power. We will also discuss a new report that seems to confirm the so-called conspiracy theories about COVID-19's origins and discuss how Lori Lightfoot lost her re-election race this week. All of that today, right here on the Liberty Update. Bringing you a little encouragement for your Friday. Last week, New Hampshire held a debate on the House floor on the Convention of States resolution, and a Democrat representative, Representative Linda Massamilla, proved that Convention of States is a bipartisan effort that everybody can get behind. She encouraged her colleagues, both Democrats and Republicans, to unite on Convention of States, and she told everybody in the room to choose faith in the Founders' process. Listen to this. If I know the Founding Fathers, in their wisdom, allowed the creation of amendments for improving the Constitution, and they also understood the effects of power and authority on human nature. If I also believe that Article 5 was given to us as a system of checks and balances to use when Congress refuses to act on the concerns of we the people. And finally, if I know that both faith and fear ask us to believe in something that we cannot see and leaves the choice up to us, and if I'm certain that the Founding Fathers had faith that future generations would use an Article 5 wisely and only when necessary, would you now join me in choosing faith in the process that the Founding Fathers left, we the people? What a powerful line, she said. Both faith and fear ask us to believe in something that we cannot see. As a Democrat, Massimilla saw beyond party politics, which is rare, especially in D.C. today. And she advocated for a solution to a bipartisan problem, which is the federal government. Unfortunately, after the debate, the resolution did not pass the House floor. And although this was a disappointment, it was much progress for the state of New Hampshire, as it was a bipartisan recommendation to move on to the House floor. Joe Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland has come under heavy fire for politicizing the Department of Justice, abusing institutions of power against political opponents. Last year, for example, Garland was slammed for sending armed SWAT agents to arrest a non-violent, non-dangerous pro-life father of seven. And then who can forget when he weaponized the federal government against terrorist-like parents? Needless to say, when Merrick Garland appeared before the Senate Judiciary Committee on Wednesday, he was grilled about his questionable record extensively. Amazingly, he fired back with one major request, more government power. Yes, the same man who has already exploited government power to crack down on everyday Americans thinks the government does not have enough power. Throughout his testimony, Merrick Garland frequently called for more resources, in one exchange, Garland insisted Biden's Department of Justice does not have, quote, enough people, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough jails, we don't have enough judges. 
Considering its track record, it's unsettling to imagine what the Biden administration might do with more people, money, jails, and judges. Garland also got into several particularly heated exchanges with Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Josh Haley, both of whom probed him about cherry-picking cases that fit the president's political agenda. They pointed out that the DOJ ignored many instances of violence against pro-life organizations, yet terrorized pro-life Mark Houck for a crime that had already been dismissed by a lower court. If you're a violent criminal and you attack a crisis pregnancy center, that is not a priority in the Biden Department of Justice, Senator Cruz concluded. Not surprisingly, Garland made a habit of dodging their questions, refusing to provide straightforward answers. All of this just proves that Washington, D.C. is on a mission to consolidate more and more power in this nation until all citizens are constantly threatened to be punished for their political beliefs. Regardless of which party is in office, at least half the country feels threatened by our bloated federal government. Such a polarizing climate is simply unsustainable. Thankfully, we know the solution. The Founding Fathers left us the resources in the Constitution needed to restore the federal government to its proper place should the need ever arise. No doubt the time to employ what they gave us has arrived. To join us in using Article 5 of the Constitution to rein in the federal government and shrink Biden's Department of Justice down to size, go to conventionofstates.com today and get involved. Well, our own government is finally coming around to the idea that the COVID-19 origins are most likely a Wuhan lab leak. What many conspiracy theorists have been saying for years is actually coming to fruition in the federal government three years later. FBI Director Christopher Wray said this week, quote, The FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. His statement followed a Senate investigation into the origins of the virus and a report that was released by the Department of Energy that drew these conclusions. But it's important that we remember our own government silenced and censored anybody who connected the virus to China. Social media, of course, flagged many posts for suggesting a lab leak, and even mainstream news outlets ran many articles that just tore apart the lab leak theory. We had the Washington Post and the New York Times calling it a fringe theory, and Scientific American even suggested that the theory made it harder for scientists to seek the truth. However, now it's come out that that was the truth. So will these media outlets and the government and politicians be held accountable for denying the truth and denying us the ability to think for ourselves and think critically? Behind the scenes in April 2020, NIH director Dr. Francis Collins strategized in an email to Dr. Fauci how his department might be able to shut down this, quote, very destructive conspiracy. Is it any wonder there is distrust between the government and the people? These bureaucrats must be held accountable for their actions and lies and deliberately tailoring the narrative to keep Americans in the dark and to protect China from any criticism from the rest of the world. Our own government loves to control information and the flow of information and calling anything misinformation if it goes against the government's narrative. So we have to remember that when it comes to any 
topic in the news. We have to remember the Chinese spy balloon or Ukraine or the next pandemic or in the case for Convention of States, Article 5 of the Constitution. Whatever the case may be, we know that the government cannot be relied upon for transparency and for providing the full and honest truth to the American people. The people of Chicago are rising up against soft on crime politics that have corrupted their city. Chicago's Lori Lightfoot was ousted from office on Tuesday in an overwhelming referendum on the hellish condition of her crime-riddled city. The one-term mayor was edged out in her re-election race by two candidates, both of whom would advance to a runoff in April. Since Lightfoot took office in 2019, Chicago's crime rates have skyrocketed. The New York Times reports that, quote, under Mrs. Lightfoot, homicide rates soared to generational highs, and residents throughout the city say they are unsettled by a spike in robberies, muggings, carjackings, and other property crimes, and they have placed the blame on Mrs. Lightfoot, end quote. Her mismanagement of the situation not only tarnished her reputation within Chicago, but also brought her national notoriety. Lightfoot received a meager 16% of the vote in Tuesday's election. None of her opponents hit the 50% threshold needed to win, however, thus triggering a runoff election. However, only the two highest ranking candidates proceed to that election, so it rules out Lori Lightfoot. In response to her crushing loss, Lightfoot laughably tweeted, quote, We've made significant progress building a safer, more equitable city. I thank each and every one of you for believing in me. Many have noted that the disgraced mayor's defeat has broader implications outside Chicago. Throughout America, many large liberal cities have suffered under soft-on-crime politicians not unlike Lori Lightfoot. Billionaire George Soros has invested millions of dollars into their races over the past several years. Lightfoot's failed bid for re-election, however, joins mounting evidence that voters have grown wary of these policies and the disastrous results that come from them. As Convention of States previously reported, for example, San Francisco voted to recall its soft on crime district attorney just last November. No doubt voters are waking up to the seriousness of saving our cities from devolving into violent anarchic chaos. Lori Lightfoot's ill-fated re-election bid is proof positive of this. Unfortunately, many corrupt national factors keep influencing these critical races and cities where the populace is suffering under failed liberal crime policies. To join us in kicking the federal government back into its proper place, go to conventionofstates.com and sign the petition. Remember, this is the only solution as big as the problem. That's all the news for today. Thank you guys for joining us. And remember to go to conventionofstates.com and subscribe to the Liberty Update so you don't miss next week's episode. We'll see you then.